just absolutely apoplectic because you're so excited for a brand new episode of Terribly Funny. And honestly, I'm right there with you, gang. Hi, how are you? It's your host, your friend, your pal, Steve Bazlone. And this, of course, is the podcast where I talk to funny people about terrible things that have happened to them. And today we have a, uh, a very old friend of mine, uh, a brother in arms. He is uh, a man who I went to college with, who I lived with for a very long time, who I went all throughout Europe with and did a bunch of dumb shit with. It's the very funny, the very tall, the very talented Mr. James Kirkland. Uh, we started a comedy troupe back uh, together with, along with uh, a, a fellow other uh, pod uh, friends, uh, Dan Levy and Eric Hutchinson, way back in the day. Um, he's a very funny man and funny writer. He's been in all sorts of shit. Every time I'm on a show, I try, I get him a role, and he always crushes it. He's been on Happy Endings. He's been on Community. He's uh, been in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. He's been in Heathers. He's been in, uh, most recently, uh, he, I, he was on The Goldbergs. He was in uh, a show called Sing It. He was in a movie called Bad Night. And most, uh, most recently, he's been putting all of his time and efforts into uh, his first novel, which is titled uh, Friend of the Devil, a Bill Walton mystery. That's right. Uh, that comes out very soon. Uh, actually, by the time this airs, that will have already come out, but you should go and get it. It's on Amazon. Check it out. Uh, he's a very talented man. And today we're going to talk about all sorts of shit. Mostly, uh, it feels it's got a real, like, uh, uh, you know, common room in the dorm kind of jamming out. You're a little bit high kind of vibe. Talking about what it's like um, to deal with depression, what it's like to uh, uh, feel confidence, to have courage enough to move through these uh, these. Uh, tumultuous waters that we call life. Was that a terrible sentence? It sure was, Steve, but we're going to push on through it because so far this intro is going okay. All right, let's keep going. Anyways, we're going to get to that in, just in a second, but before we do, let me do the part, uh, this part where I say, hey, hey, if you like this podcast, go to our iTunes page, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family, give us a rating, give us a review. Haven't got one of those for a while. You can be the person to break this new season seal. No one's done it this season. That can be you. Um, anyways, uh, you can also check us out on social media. It's terribly underscore funny on Twitter. Uh, Instagram, it's terribly funny podcast. And our Gmail, if you want to drop us a line and say, hey, yeah, James Kirkland's got a, a low, sultry voice, and I like that, you can do so at terribly funny podcast at Gmail. I'd love to hear from you. Um, that's done. That part's done. Now we're going to get to uh, Big Funny himself, Mr. James Kirkland. Theme music, please. It's on the week. It was, this wasn't a weekend, was it? No. Yeah, because that's when it's fun. The weekend, it gets to be a shit show. Wait, no, it was a weekend. It was a Friday. Yeah, that's also great. Okay. Great weekends are great, too. Yeah. You know, any day, really, just it's any LA, day of the week, it's really know, great. Yeah. What's a weekend? What kind of music your cousin do? They do, like, electro pop. Oh. Uh, their sound's really good. I mean, and I, I think that they have it what it takes. I mean, they're doing it. Yeah. They're making music. They're at the Echo? They were at the Echoplex, yeah. yeah. It's a great venue. Yeah, super fun I venue. I saw Ty Siegel there not too long ago, so yeah. that ain't nothing. No, people rock there. Yeah. Um, who did I see there? Uh, something like a blanket band. Some hipster band with blanket in the title. Oh, no, Pure Bathing Culture. Pure Bathing Culture? Yeah. Never heard of it. I'm sure they are something. You don't know them? You know all music. No. I Not like I used to. And I feel like now... 
the way that like music has changed and that like you don't own things anymore and also right. albums are less of a thing definitely like I will hear a song and be like I fucking love this song and people be like who is it like mm, I don't remember it was on the cool time playlist yeah it was on I put it I think it's my like January 2017 but I don't know what it who it is because it's like it just you know I'll hear something because I like make monthly mixes yeah it's like a thing I've tried to do forever because it's like a weird like time capsule like yeah. an audio journal and you've always had great music taste. Thank you, sir. Uh, I, I think so, but everybody thinks they have good music taste. No, you... Everybody you, always thinks they're funny, too. No, but I remember freshman year of college, you had so many... You had that huge book of CDs. Sure. College was a big time of discovering music. Oh, yeah. Because like, we like, didn't know... I mean, I was just like, what your friends listen to, and then what MTV is playing, uh -huh. and, or The Box. Yeah. And you're like, that's what music is. That's or you go it. to Sam Goody and like shop around. I would shop around for rap CDs. Yeah. And just find ones with lots of scratching. And that was pretty much my that music days thing. in high school. It's like, all the, uh, he's the DJ, I'm the rapper. Yeah. Yeah, just, right. like, yeah just as much scratching as possible. A lot of West Ugh. Coast gangster stuff. You know, it was the 90s. Do you, and, that was also around the period where like they're like like uh, uh, Tower Records and Virgin like starts mm -hmm. to be like where you had listening stations you're like oh, oh yeah. okay oh. so now I don't have to I, I don't have to buy this blind yeah. I don't have to like read like a blurb in uh, Spin Magazine that's a 50 words no you can hang out and, listen to, and you could literally listen to two hours of music at a listening stay station forever. Yeah. stay <laughs> forever stay like, forever yes yeah and they're like oh my god it is Sunday I came in here on Thursday I remember doing that like what was it what was I think it was the first time I was ever in New York and I went to like the big Tower Records or something sure. like that and I remember doing that big, the the crazy you could listen to anything in the store and you yeah. could bring it up and then, oh man I remember the first time I was not there solo because I think I was there for like college auditions or something but I was at that same store and I met this dude like this old like very storied he felt like he was like a Hallam Wolf or something mm -hmm. just like and he and I was listening to because at that point in time I was like you know getting into like I was getting into like like all the old like old moat like uh, Clyde McFadder and like uh, the, uh, Lead Belly and all that stuff mm -hmm. and I was listening to Lead Belly or something I was like oh you yeah. like that let me show you some stuff and then he spent like two hours and he just like showed this white kid around like listen to this listen to this and I was like this is amazing New York City's so alive <laughs> yeah yeah. it was at the time we were discovering all that music and it's never gonna be that way where, well cause it was also the beginning of the internet too mm -hmm. so it was like Napster Napster shit was was huge. It was like just a treasure trove. All this music I never had. But your yeah. curated, huge. You had like three books of CDs. You had the most music of anyone I knew. I and you had all the Tom Waits, uh -huh. and I had not listened to Tom Waits albums. Mm -hmm. And I remember borrowing Tom Waits CDs from you. And yeah, you had a bunch of like old timey yeah, music made with like strings. Very esoteric bullshit. And yeah, like, yeah. Because I was like, ah, yes, I'll have my close cigarette so and listen. To yeah, of course. So pretentious. But do you remember? Pretentious Pittsburgh. Boy. Yeah, that's me, man. <laughs> do you remember uh, that it only existed in that era? But like when you would go into somebody's dorm and be like, oh, let me see your music collection. If they had like music. That that you liked, I was like, oh my god, I think I'm in love. Uh, well, like, yeah. let me, like, oh, let me yeah. read your CDs. Let me see your book. Yeah, let, let me, me check out book. your book. Yeah, and like, oh shit. <laughs> oh, oh, you've got the, you've got Pinkerton. That's okay. nice. Okay, yeah, That's there's cool. something here. Oh, Daydream Nation, Sonic Youth fan. Oh, I am oh. getting half socked oh. over here. <laughs> it was like legit. If like, oh, you have uh, the, the the coasters. Oh, I am ready to go. Let's get it. And that sound of the CDs, mm -hmm. like that unique, like <laughs> the book of CDs. Yeah, it was kind of like taking like a fruit roll-up off of the plastic. Yeah, it's very satisfying mm -hmm. now. I'm very nostalgic in the yeah. moment thinking about that sound. I saw, I don't know what movie or show it was, but it was like a great detail of uh, 
of somebody had like the the CD visor. Oh yeah. And I had not thought about that for like at least a decade. I was like, oh yeah. fuck those things. Flip it down. What do you they got? They sucked. Because <laughs> like inherently, if it was hot, like your CDs would get so fucked. Get melted. So warped. Yeah. A different time. Yeah, but a the, different time. Yeah, different time. But those CD books, man. Ah, really going back. Nostalgia. <laughs> I love those. They carry so much shit everywhere. Yeah. Oh my. They were. They were huge. They're so heavy. Yeah. And I remember when I moved. Uh, when I moved from like my like ten years ago from one place to the next. Mike's had three places really. Ultimately in L.A., one for seven years. Then one for eight years. And when I moved to the seven years one in two thousand nine, I like had all those books, and I was like. I'm still keeping them. Yeah. I'm still keeping them. because some good music. Because at that point, it's like, well, at some point, I'll upload them to my computer. Right, yeah. And then, like, when I move this time, drive. it's like, what am I... What? <laughs> all these things why are available. Did I sell, why did I keep all this shit? So much wasted money and time, but, you know, that's what life is. That is ultimately what life is. Just that's a big waste of time money and money. time, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's a seamless transition into talking about some real emo stuff. Okay, let's, let's get, get sad, down. man. Yeah. Ask me some sad questions. Uh, well, uh, you know, I think there's not a ton of um, uh, 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 prompts. It's more about like, uh, you know, anything that you feel comfortable talking about, like, oh, this is a weird fucking period and this is a change in my life in this regard. You know, we run the gamut from uh, sometimes being broke to mm-hmm. sometimes being like, oh, yeah, yeah, my uh, whole family died. That's never been a thing. But uh, that's, yeah. that is the gamut. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, sad happens to us all, I guess. Um, yeah, it's unavoidable. It's really sad. unavoidable. What's the Buddha said? The, you know, life taxes, is suffering. Man. Yeah. First principle of Buddhism. There's got to be a few people out there who have like such a brain chemistry that like sadness is just kind of like, because eh. it's got, there's got to be some, because it's just all chemicals. It just, there's got to be someone out there. Is who's it like, though? Or is it circumstance? I think it's I think it's a little bit of both, but I think there's like certain people who are. Because I like, was reading a book recently about depression mm-hmm. by this guy Johan Sari. It's oh, called Lost Connections. He's sorry about <laughs> you being sad. <laughs> about me not remembering his name. Yeah, uh, it's called Lost Connections, and it was this guy kind of coming like like theorizing about the causes of depression, mm-hmm. and he took uh ssris uh i think he was taking like paxil or one of these things sure, for, sure. Uh, his whole life and then he kept fe- feeling like the the sad would catch up with him like it would help for a while and then he couldn't ever outrun it i always think about that as like um uh like like the dick donner uh, um, uh, christopher reeves superman where he's like flies super fast and then he leaves the chemtrail right. and then yeah. he stops and then it's like super, right. and that's like what that like yeah. You can run away from the feelings for so long, but once you stop, it's going to get gonna you. It's going to get you, and everybody stops. Yeah. There's never going to be. You can't, can't run forever. Go, you can't no, run forever. That's, that's why you can't get away from the mob. <laughs> no, you can't. You can run. These are all synonymous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the mob is a good uh, metaphor of depression, yeah. though. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the, once you're in, you're in. Yeah. Thought I was out. They pull me back in. Back in. You're eventually going to get. Uh, it's going to hit you with two in the back of the head. Think about how life is meaningless. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a, that's a much darker. That's somehow a darker movie, Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> um, but he. So. Then he he basically was he went and did a bunch of research and he talked to a bunch of doctors mm-hmm. and he's like yeah well a lot of the research about like the idea that our sadness and depression is caused by our chemicals and our brain being out of balance is wrong and it's kind of a guess because mm-hmm. we don't know what the right balance of chemicals is in the brain. In fact, when the first guy who proposed who like theorized this in the seventies, he was basically just like spitballing and came up with something crazy. He was like what if ser- serotonin mm-hmm. Uh, was the cause did something in the brain 
And no one even, to the, th at that time, no one knew what serotonin did in the brain or what it was doing. So sure. they're like, well, I guess we could try to get some drugs that got a limited serotonin, even though we don't know what it does in the brain. And so they got it, they, they developed these drugs and did them. But a lot of the studies uh, that he was uh, talking about show that the placebo did better at making people less sad or at the same, or, or was the same as the drugs, but in the, right. for the pharmaceutical companies who cherry picked the results of these sure. studies. Well, that's like a whole other bigger subject as to like where, what is, what is the real, uh, what is our motive? Is it money or is it actual uh, science? But I think by and large, like, yes, you're talking, I think there's a, a disparity between like circumstantial depression and then like any sort of disease, like the chronic disease that I had, there is a, there is a thing that is like, oh, this is just, there is a malfunction in, yeah. in the body's chemistry. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, what I've always been uh, surprised by because I've had a few people in my life who have uh, taken uh, their own lives mm -hmm. and... I remember being at um, a funeral for somebody who had killed themselves and my grandfather, who was very old and wise and uh, kind of a, a cockeyed optimist, and he was just kind of being like, I just, I just don't understand how you could ever do that. And I was like, I get how you get that because you've never seen it up close, but seeing how it is like, it's a fucking, it is, it's cancer, it is, it is uh, uh, AIDS. <laughs> I don't know why it's the first disease as I went to. There's many other diseases I could have chose from, but you know, it is like a, it is an actual medical deficiency in the same way that like, I mean, you can also marginalize like, is alcoholism a disease? Right. But it is like the addiction, having like that chemical It component. can be treated like a disease. Sure. Uh, but it's not, it's different than an actual disease. It's actually, I read another book called The Myth of Mental Illness, which mm -hmm. is very interesting because it was talking about how the idea, the word mental illness started out as a metaphor. Because <clears throat> your brain doesn't get sick like, uh, I sneeze on you and you feel what I feel. Sure. You know, it's not the same as like you, uh, an actual like infection or... Uh, virus that attacks the body and the body has to fight it off. That's, that's not what happens in the brain with depression, right? That's just a metaphor. Mm -hmm. And we've kind of like accepted it. We, we've said it so much, many times that now we kind of think that way where it's like, oh, your brain is sick. Here's some, here's some pills. It'll feel better. But the, this, right. you know, it's like, uh, it, and then would talking about suicide. I mean, a lot of these drugs to have real symptoms of suicidal thoughts or actions as well, Sure, which makes, means. which makes me very sad because I hate suicide. I have had suicide controversial choice. I think suicide Dance. should be illegal. Whoa. Okay. Mm -hmm. I fucking hate it. The people who do that should be go to jail. The bodies should go to jail. Yep. Bodies going to jail. It's the worst thing you can do yeah, because that's your future movie. It hurts everybody who whoever loved you. It's like yeah, but I think that is that's what it speaks to. It is like because it is in such. It's trying to rationalize something that is inherently uh, very irrational. And I I think the only way that I have been able to make any sense of something so illogical is just like that. That is somebody who in that moment or at that period of time is like in such great pain that they don't want to continue to go on. And sometimes I think. Uh, I've seen it that it be circumstantial that there is like a tremendous amount of stress or mm -hmm. embarrassment or mm -hmm. whatever other uh, uh, factors outside but a lot of it's just like internal struggle and I don't fully know what that's like because I've had circumstantial depression and I think I'm prone to like navel gazing emo tendencies uh -huh. as, as is evidenced by this whole podcast, this podcast. but mm -hmm. I think you know it is um, 
it's a tricky thing to i mean all those things are very difficult because you can't fucking they're not tangible you can't see them you can't touch them and we're constantly learning because the brain is you know it's uh it's star trek it's the next frontier like there mm-hmm. is what I, I'm not even going to quote anything. I was going to say there's a billion, a billion different, you know, synapses, but there's probably like a trillion. I don't know how the fucking brain works because no I one write does. dick jokes. Yeah, no one does. Yeah. Well, I guess like more we we're going tangentially here, but it's like the reason we get into this is like that's something that you have struggled with at various points in time. Uh, depression. Yeah, a depression or just like yeah. trying to assign value to anything. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's you definitely go through it. I I do the way I try to look at it now is is because um, yeah, I, I remember having someone commit suicide who was I was close to at one point, and then feeling depressed after that mm-hmm. um, because I wasn't I didn't have uh, I didn't take the time to make up with that person. Sure. Well, that's. That's natural. You know, morning, we kind of right? like, we didn't end on the greatest terms. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, and I had it in my brain that, oh, the next time I see her, I will make sure to apologize to all in the past, whatever whatever right. went down. Uh, it's it's all good. I still like you as a person. And I remember having that thought and being like, oh, well, next time I run into her, it's LA's a small town. I'm sure right. that we'll see each other again. And then... You know, hearing that news made me very sad, made me very regretful, and made me realize that any time I ever want to say something to someone, it's not worth it just to go, oh, I'll, I'll say it next time I run into right. them. You know, we're not just always feathers floating around the world. We can take action. We have, you know, agency. Yeah. We, can, we can do things you can, proactively. You can manifest your own destiny. To yeah. Degree, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think that is... Uh, is also in their cliche, but like, you know, went to a friend's funeral not too long ago and like afterwards was just like, just really going out of my way to like say like, hey, I love you. You mean a lot to me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it is fascinating that like those things, you you carry those like kind of lessons with you, but they're also like, it's kind of, uh, what's the, um, I don't know. It, it, uh, I don't know if this first thing comes to mind, but like the wire. Remember when you're watching, they're like, oh, fuck, this show's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you move on to another show, and you're like, eh, yeah, forget about it. Yeah. This is a terrible metaphor. But it's like a lesson that you What keep... is the metaphor for? It's hard to say. Just that, like, you, you, uh, <laughs> you keep these things, like, they're, they're so omnipresent when you're, you're experiencing it. Right. And then you move on with life. And then you forget, like, how important it is all the time just to be like, hey, I love you. You mean things to me. Yeah. And, like, I should focus on trying to lead with uh, kindness and trying to mitigate all this noise and bullshit yes. and just focus on like the things that are important and they yes. real and what that is ultimately is like what makes me happy and hey this person across from me at this moment makes me happy and I should tell them that as yeah. opposed to letting time pass right yeah and, and it's so weird how hard that is for us to do sometimes and there's weird walls that come up mm-hmm. um, you know and maybe it's a facet of uh, just our society our city or the way, what way we live I think it's it's being busy, and I think to some degree it is. Uh, I think there was like a little bit of antiquated uh, value system, but like that was weakness. Like because mm. I see when like you know talking to people of our parents' generation, like I think our parents are like very uh, effusive about their love and things like that. But right. like my dad has a hard time showing vulnerability. Right. In other capacities. Yeah. So I think like that's a trickle down. So it's like sometimes if you like lead too much with that or there's a stigmatized of being like too hippie or whatever, all right. these things. Yeah. Or you just get fucking busy. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't, it, it's really, it, it takes a little bit of courage 
to say that you love another person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good thing because I think courage is the only thing that really matters. It's the true value, I think, in this world. It's an absolute. If you can take, if you have courage in anything you do, and it takes courage to live. You know, yeah. it is. It is kind of, and in, we're talking about suicide, but it is like, I think there is like a little bit too much of like, um, I'm not praising people who co- who commit suicide, but just like, not being like fuck that mm-hmm. when it comes to that. You know, because fuck that. Mm-hmm. It's fucking. It is it, when I it was. It is a cowardly thing because it's fucking really. It takes a lot of courage to live in this world. It takes a lot of courage. Absolutely. And it takes a lot of courage to tell people that you care about them. It takes a lot of courage to do what you want to do in life, to tell people what you expect out of relationships takes courage, to set boundaries takes courage. Yeah. I think the, it's one of the only currencies the universe respects. If, you, if, if I feel like if the universe or God, ooh, I said it, sees you being courageous, I think that things, good things start to happen. And it's often you don't know what, whatever it is that you are feeling hesitant to do or shy about. Mm-hmm. It's like if you reverse the polarity and go, you know, with willing abandon into the battle, the battle of yourself, then I think that good things start to happen. I, I hope. I, I, I truly believe that, though. I think, well, I think just in that um, you're, you're escaping paralysis and you're escaping um, stagnancy because I think oftentimes, like, fear are the, are the things that, uh, that keep us um, inert. Yeah. So I think there is, there is um, gr- a greatness in action in general. Like, you know, yeah. you know if you're standing in the same place... Yeah, a stopped clock is right two times a day, right. but you're not seeing everything. Right. You're, you're kind of limiting your options. And I, I am very much a creature of habit. Uh, I don't think I'm um, a timid, but I do think like I have the same like level of fears and anxieties and neurosis and perhaps more than a lot of other people. So I think like taking those big swings, you, you know, it's, these are, again, other platitudes, but like you fall down, you're going to learn something by getting back up. Right. Yeah. I learned recently my, my grandmother passed away a couple of years ago at about 90. She was oh, lovely. That's a long, full one. She had a good life. Yeah. Uh, and my grandfather is now still alive. He's 101. Wow. And since my grandmother passed away. And he's still away, pretty sharp, right? Yeah. I mean, there are times he's razor sharp. Mm-hmm. We were doing some FaceTime with him and he was just like on it. Told wow. me he liked my beard. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so obviously his taste is still there. Was he nagging you? <laughs> he might have been. I don't know. I mean, maybe like him more. Sure, I was yeah, working yeah. for his respect. Yeah. Uh, he he has also started talking about how he had a couple wives before my grandmother that we didn't know about. Oh wow! That my dad didn't know about. His kids didn't know Holy about. Fuck. Yeah, a couple, three. Jesus. That my grandma was his fourth wife. Did she know that? I don't know. Oh, I think wow. she must have, but yeah. I don't know. They didn't talk about it. It certainly wasn't a dinnertime conversation. Yeah. But it's it, also indicative of that era. Like, no, we don't talk about the past. Right. We're right here. I mean, it was the war, right? It was the war. He was yeah. in submarines. He was getting married left and right. He's like an LA he's like an LA you just meet wife. people all the time on yeah. submarines. Yeah, you want to have sex? And yeah. uh, well, not, when you're on a shore leave, sure. it's like, hey, let's lock it down. Yeah. You know, and you didn't have that much sex outside of wedlock. So it's like, and the other thing was he was taking swings. Mm-hmm. He was taking swings at life. Wow. You know, sometimes the pitch might have been outside the plate, but God damn it, he was going to swing. Yeah. And it made me be like, oh, you know what? There's, life is long. Life is, well, especially if you're 101, life is Life is very long. Yeah. He took a couple, of, a couple of big cuts, swinging for the fences, you know, maybe got out a couple times, didn't reach home. But then he, he, he connected with my grandmother, yeah. uh, you know, Grand Salami, 
and they yeah. were together for over 60 years. Yeah, man, it so is. So it made me be like, you know, I, I, I got to be less timid when it comes to relationships and putting my heart out there as well because it's like, hey, take a swing. Take a, that's what life is for. Yeah, I mean, I think because we're just talking if the very amorphously here, but like, you know, the, the question is to no, is no to every answer you don't ask. Or rather, the answer the is... The question is no I did to a, every I did answer you don't That is deep. That the, is fucking deep. The answer is no my mind. to every question you don't ask. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, if you are you don't put yourself out there, it's not going to be... There, you, know, yeah. you may find yourself in some weird positions. Right, um, squeak a wheel. Yeah, but what is what what was that like for you and your dad, like learning that? Because it's like, ultimately, it doesn't affect you at all, but it no. does affect your perspective of this person that you've known your entire life. Yeah, you know, it makes it certainly gives you more dimensions to someone who you thought was you had in a box. Yeah. Or, but, uh, you know, you can never know how deep someone's life has been, even those very close to you. I mean, think about it. I met him when he was already in grandfather mode and like... Yeah didn't know him when he was smoking chain smoking cigarettes in the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean or Jesus Christ. I can't believe they know. smoked in submarines it's yeah. just nuts. He, I was like hey he's like Oompa how much did you smoke in submarines he's like all the time all of it all and the I was times. like well when you when you wouldn't he's like, the only time we wouldn't smoke was when we couldn't light a match because there wasn't enough oxygen and we had to go at the surface and get more air so we could smoke more Jesus Christ. He's a distilled gin from the alcohol they were used as fuel in the torpedoes. Wasn't that like the whole thing from uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix and the Master? Oh, yeah. Like find all the chemicals and like, you got to mix it right. (laughs) You'll be fine. Yeah, the stills. The still Uh, tech. That's nuts. I remember when I was, um, I don't know, probably... 12 or something and I I found out that both of my parents I was probably a little younger like 10 I found out that both of them had been married before mm. and I was like what? Whoa. It like blew they didn't my bre- mind. They didn't, they didn't uh, broach the subject first or how did they I guess maybe I guess I found out about it but I remember at one point thinking uh I knew that they knew about it. I remember one one point when my dad got remarried to my stepmom. They've been together for like 25, 26 years now. I remember one point when they got remarried. I was like, I bet you he's a toner about the other one. <laughs> and I'm like, this is so foolish and stupid. Like, he didn't give a shit. But it just, like, it did, even though it didn't change anything in terms of our, right. our dynamic or uh-huh. anything, my perspective was like, you did this before me? Yeah. It was like, a just like a whole, a holy, like, yeah, vanity thing. I'm like, yeah, you could have done this. You could have done me with somebody else. I could have been another me? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild to think about the lives that we don't. We I mean, there's so many full lives of so many people who we think we know, but we, they have their own inner life as well, which we can never know. Even the people, person who are the closest to us. Well, here's something I'm interested to get your perspective on. Mm. Um, I feel like you are uh, you're we are the same age. We are more or less, and uh, we have most of our peers are in the same position. Like they are coupled off or mm-hmm. married or have kids. Yep. And with that comes like a lot more time and responsibility. Yeah. And um, I find if I am not like very proactive uh, in single times to go out and make plans like on a weekend, uh, like a whole weekend can go by that I don't talk to anybody who's not a barista. Right. Or, or like I can, even when I like... I can go off and do something like go uh, away to another another city mm-hmm. for the, the, you know drive three hours, spend two days somewhere else, come back. No one will have any idea. Right. And I think I think there's like you know freedom in that level of autonomy, but there's also like something kind of I think inherently lonely about like there's no there's no checks and balances here. Right. Um, yeah. I've, I don't know what the question is. I guess it's just like that's just something I've been trying to recently just thinking about like this is a weird thing in this day and age when we're so interconnected yeah 
that you can still people just don't. But we seem so we seem interconnected, and we're but we're we're less than ever because we've we've traded in a devil's bargain social media for a social life. I believe it's called a devil's triangle, James. No, it was only there's a trade. It's not a a triangle trade. Mm -hmm. We we took we took we gave our social life up and we we traded in for social media. And it's not the same. Like having a social life is when you like make plans with all. You have a group of friends. You go out. There's, sure. there's stuff that's going on. And you, you know, there's these well, things. But I think those things. Now it's like we can Instagram stories. We can just like send the hearts and be like, oh, I mean, I talked to my friend. No, it's very empty. But it does feel like a. It does feel like there is a, a way to keep tabs on people that otherwise they would just fall away entirely. And I know it's empty. For sure. But I. But I'm just saying, like in general, uh, at this, because you reflect my experience to some degree. Like, what does that feel like to you as we're getting, as people around uh, us, their lives are changing and we're kind of in the same space? Dude, but I feel my, by, I feel my inner life starting to change recently, yeah. very recently. Very recently I was starting to think like, huh, maybe I do really want a family. Maybe mm-hmm. I do really want a family. It's like, it has to do with the question of why. I was just telling you before we started how my brother challenged me about the question of purpose. What's my purpose? And it's a great question to ask yourself at all times. So you think you have it and then you really start drilling down and you're like, wait a minute, my purpose can't be just to uh, find material success in a way that just buys me more material things mm-hmm. in a material world, like a material girl. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I There's no there, there's no why. To be fair, though, you look great in a pointy bra. <laughs> ding, ding. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> um, so I've just, this is the last couple of weeks, Steve, when I've been like, oh, man, I do feel like a tremendous internal shift where I'm like, okay, I, I do really want um, to have a family, have some land, you know, build fences, you know, uh, you know, uh, grow, uh, you know, with kids and a wife and a garden. And these things would give me a sense of purpose for whatever I was doing, because everything would be about growing that family space, mm-hmm. like whatever I would do. That's the purpose. Right. And so much of like all the people who I respect, I was looking around for men who respect who were like, what's their purpose? Well, all boiled down to family. Mm-hmm. Almost every guy I respect who has a great purpose was about the family. It was about a family unit they're growing. And that's like, you can't deny it. It's like the most purpose ever. It's the biggest sure. why you can have. And power comes from why. What you do, what, why you do it is more important than what you do. Um, I think, I think, I mean, I think intention is, is very important. Uh, the, you know, the outcome is also important, but your intention is, uh, uh, what, 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 God, just all so many platitudes, but like the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but fuck that. Good intentions get you a long fuck way. Fuck that. You can go on your GPS, you can change that location, mm-hmm. you know, if you have good intentions, you plug it in there, and you keep making sure that you're not on the road to hell, mm-hmm. you instead take the off-ramp to heaven, okay? Sure. Then that road of good intentions yeah, or just gets even, you there. even just Calabasas. Yeah. I'll take a purgatory. Yeah. What, um, so, it sounds like you are... But I, but, but then I was like, well, could I do it here? Could I do this in Los Angeles? Because sure. all the, the visions that I have in my head as I describe, is like more land and trees than I could have here in the city of angels. So it's like, okay, well, what's my way? How do I get out of? How do, how do I how do I create a career where I could do it wherever? Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to be now what I'm wrestling with because it I do I do, and this is just just recently. I'm just like, oh, I don't want to be here in ten years necessarily. I want to be able to work here. I want to see my friends here. I want to be, but I want to have a home base somewhere. You know, it can be close. It could be not close. I don't know what it is, where it's going right. to be. 
but I do, I, and this is like more and more, I'm like, oh yeah, I think, because I, I think I, I could see, if I was, if I kept doing as I'm doing now in LA, then I think I would, I would be depressed situationally. Right. Because I would be like, oh, even though I, whatever success I can find in my career, it would still feel empty if I didn't have a family and a, and a reason to support. Is it something, some people to support? Well, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when you're talking to yourself, those words don't, they, no one else is sharing things. I mean, I think shared experience is so much of any partnership, friendships, uh, yeah. family, uh, 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 romantic partners, like that shared experience. That's like, that's the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like... Like, remember when we were in Paris and you ordered that glass of wine and uh-huh. me and my dad and my brother all got huge steins of beer yeah, yeah. and you had a glass of... Was it white wine? Oh, no. It was a red. It was oh, a okay, nice... Yeah. It was a it was nice... French red. Yeah, but, but it was still. also... Okay, to be fair, <laughs> this is the thing that the Kirklands... The Kirklands, this was 20 years ago, still mock me to this day. We sat down at this cafe and your dad was like, I'm going to get a nice... We're, you know, we're right by the Eiffel Tower. I'm going to get a nice <laughs> glass of red wine. And you were like, yeah, wine. dad, that sounds good. Good. She comes to me first. What do you have? Like, I will have, uh, I will have your Bordeaux or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> I think it was and a Bordeaux. Then, and then, like, just as she said that, like, somebody walks by with these huge steins of beer because it was like Oktoberfest, and you're like, three large beers. Like, wait a second, what? those. Yeah, best cheers ever, and it's true. My dad brings that up I'm sure. every time. I'm sure he asked about you. Yeah, that's nice. I'm glad that that is my uh, shared experience. That is a shared experience. <laughs> it is something that I think will forever be. You know, if we're both lucky enough to make it uh, to uh, uh, the golden years, that'll probably be a story that you will still uh, jive with me about, and I will love it. But um, I was, I was looking, I was just looking, I was zillowing in the Big Island of Hawaii, just thinking like, hey, how is uh, it's like it's there's some cheap plots, you can build some some jungle huts, but it would be a place that you could grow, I could grow with, yeah. like I'd have a place. Um, you know, to develop it and to make a vacation rental or something like that. But I've just, just, just like this very recently, but I have felt a shift inside of me. Maybe it's the stars. Who knows? Here's a question for you. Uh, dealing with like by and large, a lot of, um, arrested development. Do you wonder why, like, why did it take me so long to get, arrive at this place? Right. Well, yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, but I can't dwell on that forever. Like think about why. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I look, I think it's cause I was chasing, I I think it's a bit of the mystique and the magic of Hollywood too, and like things that can be so exciting here, and it can be so thrilling to get you know stuff done or meetings, whatever, and like you're you're making stuff, um, and then you, that that becomes a focus to the point. But then then you're like, oh, but why? But still, there's like, why is life empty? If I'm doing, if I'm thinking of all this cool stuff, and yeah. there's so much of like, a, uh, there's the carrot and there's a hamster wheel thing mm-hmm. with the city, and it can be a bit of a trap. And I was just like, oh wait, maybe you know, all the things that I want to prevent depression from entering mm-hmm. my life are like connection, reconnection with nature, having a community or family that I could, you know, grow with, yeah. you know. Um, being being away from bullshit, you know, sure. which is uh, which is apparently uh, abundant around here, and so uh, yeah, w- why it took me this long, I don't know. I'm just glad I got here. Mm-hmm. I think it is a place where it's like, okay, now I see clearly um, what it is where I need to get to to prevent me from being a depressed, uh, you know, forty something in mm-hmm. seven years, you know. Sure. So I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what's out, what the form is going to take. But I do have like kind of intention now where I'm like, okay, 
ranch style home on the big island. I mean, that sounds like the goddamn dream. Yeah. But here's a question for you uh, in terms of, because you invoked the idea of, of this weird town. Um, how much of that, or how much do you think like the drive to like, why it took so long to get to a place, or not even so long, it's everybody's timeline. Can that, you hear that sound? Yeah, it's the ice cream man. No, it's my, uh, it's my washer and dryer when it goes off. It makes like a delightful, sounds like the good humor guy is coming around. Yeah. But it's just uh, Your clothes are now clean, now exactly. they're dry and so clean now. Your be clothes are so clean now, come smell them, they smell nice. I think those are the lyrics. <laughs> I couldn't afford them, though. Um, how much of it was just like you talked about the hamster wheel and this carrot idea, but like how much of it is coming out here and you have these ideals of what you want your life to be or what you think will uh, bring you sense of fulfillment? And mm-hmm. to some degree, it must have because you're still here 16 years later, right? Well, people can be places for a long time and not feel fulfilled. No, that's fulfilled true. Fulfilled is a big right. But there's, a big word. But I think like when we were talking about a sense of purpose, uh, the thing that I thought outside of family, like a thing that is, I think has always been important to you is like the notion of your, you had two, two nicknames in college. One was stink and the other one was big funny and big funny went further because you're a large man and you were always like a gregarious character is always like the life of a party. And I think that was always like a big, strong sense of purpose for you. Thank you. Yes. Um, but like how, so that's like, must've been like a driving force to like continue doing this thing. Uh, to stay here where there's like an epicenter for those kind of opportunities. Right. Well, I'm not good at anything else other than being funny, being big and being funny. So that's things that is definitely, and my hygiene has improved. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's taken a while, but I'm there While we were 19, we're all like garbage monsters. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows anything? We were all just figuring our... I I had exclusively uh, furniture that was found on curbs. But you had great music taste. Thank you. Great music taste. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, there is, I mean, this town is also kind of like the capital of Puera Turnuses, right? It's kind of like this forever childhood place where it's Mm -hmm. like, you don't really have to grow up. It's a city of Peter Pans and uh, Wendy's and, uh, you know, everything is kind of like, uh, you don't really have to grow up because there's, there's, you know, the ideal is that you can become super successful and still kind of keep that childhood joy. And there is something to that where it's like, we all have to be the inner child to our... I think you can do... That's the idea to do it anywhere, right? Is to like feel that, keep that... I and mean, it's like a thing my dad always says, like, I may be 67, but I feel like I'm 15. And it's it's like, great well, to be young, alive, and good looking. Exactly, exactly. But I think that there is something to that to keep like... And it, especially in this vocation where it's like, I get paid pretty okay basically to make dick jokes all day and that's pretty nice Mm -hmm. yeah that ain't bad and you kind of do the same thing to play like i get paid you get paid pretty well to play make-em-ups right yeah and to write it's true and to like create worlds right well but i don't know about commercial acting as creating worlds well i'm talking about your writing oh yeah sure yeah no commercial acting you create worlds old spice oh Uh, that's a whole world yeah it's a world it is a world there there is a limit i think to how much how many commercial auditions one can do without having some kind of mental breakdown too oh for sure so but you also i'm think approaching like, that yeah okay well that's well, that's probably yeah. like also uh, an instrumental point is like why you're arriving at this place right like, i'm looking for something more yeah. and deeper and it doesn't feel like um, a compromise or it doesn't feel like no uh, yeah something but it's I, great the, the word shift. fulfilled is, is is really important because there's so much where it's like well yeah the, like uh we, we want that sense of fulfillment and sometimes we we, but we sometimes we do things that we know are not going to fulfill us because they scratch some kind of itch, but don't really 
get it all done. Like, um, and so what are the, what is the fulfillment? What's the purpose? What's the thing that, how we can, uh, and and that's the hard work. It's tough inner work. It's tough. It's a slog going through yourself and being like, what do I really, really want? What is it that I really, really would really get me going? What would fulfill me? Right. Uh, and then you jerk off. You're like, not that. That was not it. It did for that. Those, those <laughs> couple of seconds. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty it's all good, right. But it's, un, it's, it's the opposite of fulfilling. No, I mean it's 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 cotton candy. It's empty calories. Yes, yes. exactly. And that's yeah. so much of Los Angeles to me. Uh, uh, now that now I kind of, I mean, the stuff that really matters is stuff for like my old friends, like you, mm-hmm. all the friends from college, uh, you know, buddies who I've Your known for a long time, folks. like Grant High people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all it, those kind of relationships are much more fulfilling. Um, I think by and large because they're tethers to uh, where you've come from. And it's like, it is in the way that I like make a monthly mix. That is like your, you are a living journal of right. to degree. Like, I know this story about when you ordered that tiny little glass of wine uh-huh. and the rest of my family got big beers um, and oh, did we laugh. In the left bank. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like what that is. is like, oh, you have, you have seen me. Uh, you're a, a, like a reflection of my growth, I guess, to some degree. Right. And it's easier to see it in other people than I see it in ourselves. Yeah. Because it happens so slowly uh, when we're looking in mirrors where it's like, ah, it's the same. Like, we definitely have like that male, I really have the male body dysmorphia where I don't see any difference. I'm like, oh, uh-huh. same guy. Yep. <laughs> I don't see any difference. Yeah, but there. then if you like go like two or three years without seeing a, a decent friend, then you see him you're yeah, like, you're like, oh, oh no, shit. We're getting old. Oh, God. But what have we done? But then you still do the thing like, well, he's getting old, but I look the same. Yeah, same, same. It's like, ah, oh, that's probably bullshit. That's probably wrong. Wow, we're all falling apart. We're all disintegrating slowly. Yeah. Slowly, but still. But hey, but that's part of the courage again. It's mm-hmm. like you got to still live with a plum and abandoned and joie de vivre, mm-hmm. even though we're disintegrating as we yeah. go. And that's like, well, it takes a lot of fucking courage. It takes a lot of balls or ovaries, whichever kind of life-giving circle you have in your body to sure. make yourself go. It takes, it takes, it takes it. And it takes Whatever it is the, uh, fortifies you to, to put your feet on the ground every morning. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Whatever the fortitude of that is. So where do you see yourself? What would be your ideal? I mean, you talk, we've talked a lot about courage. We've talked a lot about purpose. Like what is, is this new shift scary to you? Because it's, you yeah. know, I mean, granted, terrifying. It's one thing also to be like, I'm ready to do this, but it's also, it's not a journey you can make on your own. No, and nor is this something I'm ready to do tomorrow, sure. probably. You know, n- definitely not. I'm not ready for it. But I just know now it's like, oh, this is becoming in my mind's eye now the clarity. It's, it's now sharpening. Right. The focus is sharpening now in, in terms of that. But it's totally, totally terrifying. I don't know how, if I moved the big island of Hawaii, even if I got a sweet place, I would not know how to make a living unless I became like a full-time novelist. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I have written a novel. There you go. Uh, but I mean, I think that's like, oh, it's also like that took probably courage because you've been a writer forever, but like also to do like, oh, the thing I've always wanted to and what's helped me back because I've been doing this other shit and there's a bunch of noise and I'm finally like doing that. It's yeah. A big swing. Yes. And since you prompted it, not I, I'm oh, a boy. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this though, Steve. Bam. Oh, that's wow. my book, baby. That is pretty Check dope. Check that out. That is very dope. Listen to the pages. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at a picture of that for the social media. (laughs) Okay, great. Yeah, it's called Friend of the Devil. It's a Bill Walton mystery. Pick it up on Amazon. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's the end of my promotion. I just wanted to move on and plug it. Plug it. Um, uh, uh, I am coming from, I think, this uh, a little bit differently from you because, well, I think a couple of things. I think, one, like, whenever you're ready to make that leap into um, 
having more uh, centered gravity with family mm-hmm. and taking and building uh, uh, beyond yourself, mm-hmm. looking beyond your, the end of your own nose mm-hmm. is like a big leap, I think, at any age. Like people, you know, I'm sure when my grandmother started to hit her first kid when she was 20, I'm sure she was scared as fuck. And the right. same way that my parents at 30 were the same way. And the same way that I'm at 37 will also be the same way. Yeah. But I'm coming from a different perspective in that, like, I thought I would already have that shit. I thought I was on a path to have that. Right. And now I'm a little like, how did I end up here? And I think that's like mm-hmm. a little bit of the thing you're talking about, like life is long mm-hmm. in that like, I, I'm, uh, no, I'm not very happy, but I'm also like very, I don't have very many regrets about the, mm-hmm. the life that I've lived, lived, but it's also interesting. I didn't think it was going to end up here in this moment. So that's also fascinating. That's the fun part, though, is that uh, we never know the twists and turns in this yeah. enchanted forest that we're wandering through. We don't know what's around the next tree, Yeah. which is the fun part. But then, yeah, you, you do have to be like, okay, well, you know, how do I get out of the? How do I build my cabin? How do I do? How do I have my space? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how it's all going to play out, which is, again, fun. It's fun. That's the fun sure. part of life. I wouldn't want to know exactly how it's going to play out. That's a out. shift in perspective because you can you can look at that one of two ways, like, oh, how exciting that is, or, oh, God, how anxiety-ridden is that? Right. And I think they're both, they're very close. Yes, because excitement and nervousness exhibit the same bodily effects within mm-hmm. oneself. It's sure. just how Mostly we interpret adrenaline that. to some degree. Yeah, yeah you're just, you're, your adrenal glands are pumping. Mm-hmm. And you, if, if you decide that you believe it's because you have anxiety, then, you know, well, well, lo and behold, you're going to be paralyzed. But if it's like, oh, I'm just super excited and I'm ready to jump, then it's like, okay, then you can deal with it. And, you know, like, excitement's good. Yeah, I do think, I mean, this is a, a phrase I've uttered twice in this uh, conversation already, but, like, that is an interesting, like, uh, manifesting your own destiny. Like, yeah. there is, because there is, like, a chemical thing happening in your body, and it's a little bit of how you uh, choose to handle that. And there's certain things that you can't alter, but like, you know, like there is, I've said this on this podcast before, but there's like studies, like if you force yourself to smile, not all the time, but a lot of times it does shift the dopamine levels. And to some degree, it does manifest that desired outcome. Even though you may not be feeling in the moment, it's like, again, like, that may not posture. Be what I want. Posture yeah. is a similar thing. If you, I'm depressed. Like, have you been? If you then you're like, oh, let me check in with my body. Have mm-hmm. been slumping down. Have my head, my shoulder been down? Have my head been down? Yeah, you're depressed. You're exhibiting signs what monkeys do when they've been defeated. Right. When they're at like, the bottom of the hierarchy, and they're like, oh, you know, please don't attack me. Like you're like life, life, you win. Here's my neck. Yeah. Take me. You know, it's like if you, but if you walk around, even if you're faking it. Yep. That's the crazy thing. It's like, even if it's fake it till you make it, even if you're faking to having good posture, somehow your body's like, oh, you're having good posture. You must be doing okay. Let's yeah. go ahead and let's do some things. It is interesting just like how you can uh, uh, definitely project an air that is not true at all. Like I remember in college, I would always be carrying around a book because I was always <laughs> reading, but I'm a tremendously slow reader. Yeah. And it was like oftentimes the same book, book for like five months. <laughs> Because I like read like three pages a day, but I remember like after college talking to two or three people, like I thought you were so smart because you always had a book. And I was like, motherfucker, it was probably, uh, you know, a, wow, a book worked. that most people read. In a, but I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to project that. That was just like I am trying to. Yeah. I am trying to be this thing. Right. I'm not trying to show other people, but it was just I mean, like you know, oh wow, he's really a book smart. Like no, I'm a fucking idiot who reads very slow. But just like because you see that. In yeah. the same way, like, oh, I'm posturing in this way. Right. Hey, look at him. He's obviously a confident guy. Look at the way his shoulder's thrown back. Yeah. Even though he's like, you know, thinking about how sad he is. Doesn't matter. The shoulders say everything. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, uh, we're going back to courage, but I think that is, takes a lot to, like, stand to uh, uh, rise above 
whatever um, uh, muck and mire and stasis that you're sitting in because that's how you can uh, get beyond that, right? Because I think a lot of times whenever I have, I'm like, a, even though I very much like my quiet time, like I am definitely extroverted in the, in the textbook uh, definition that like I get energy off of people. Yeah. Because uh, for the longest time I thought like, introverts are like oh, those people are not socially capable and they just don't like big social gatherings and it was only to, like when i was like 30 that i realized the actual definition is like introverted you can be an amazing you can be like a politician you can be incredibly socially capable and you can be like very you know gregarious in the life of a party but it exhausts you right as opposed to you can be incredibly socially awkward and uh, uh, not have great social skills at all but being around people somehow brings you up right and um Forget the point of this is. It's interesting. I've never heard it said that way. I feel like I could. I, I, it depends on the circumstance, though, for both things. Sometimes being by myself gives me energy, and sometimes being around people gives me energy. Yeah, I think. I mean, I also think like that is an, an, an important facet to focus on. That like uh, all the things that we're talking about are 100 percent subjective and also not binary. Like the things that I feel like I think this is probably pretty true. It's like there's it's not ones and zeros. There's so much gray and nuance. I know, in and there's in everything, and that's why I look for things that don't have that. Like mm-hmm. when I think when I'm when I was talking about courage, that for me is by it's binary. Right. Courage or fear, courage and fear are, bi- are a binary thing, and you can have one thing where it's like I, I feel fear, and then you can activate courage. Sure. But you can't feel both at the same time. I mean, you, but the, well, you, I, I you think, feel. I think you absolutely can. Well, you feel, but that's the thing. You need you need fear to have courage. Yes. You need the you need the fear in order for if you feel like those people who are like I'm born without fear, no, then they can do it. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's you know, no respect because you're not being courageous. You're not dipping down into your courage there's reserves no at stakes. all. If there's no afraid, stakes. If you're not there's no stakes. Yeah. Exactly. It's not it's cheating. I cry foul. Yeah. There was a thing. Um, I have said this, and I, I'm not even embarrassed by it. There was a point in time where I was. The Ryan Reynolds movie, The Green Lantern. No, The Green... Yeah, The Green Hornet? Lantern. Lantern. No, the Green Lantern, yes. Okay. Um, terrible. Like, critically planned, made zero money. He, I liked he, it in space when they were Yeah, it was space. okay. Yeah. But he even, like, made fun of it in Deadpool. Like, a whole yeah. thing. But I remember seeing it, and at the end, I... Granted, I was, like, very sick and emotionally vulnerable at the time, but bawled my eyes out. Mm-hmm. Because the whole premise is that it's, like hope versus fear right and it's hope trying to battle fear yeah and at like that point in my life when i was like very vulnerable and very afraid like just the notion of like standing up and trying to be hopeful in the in the face of fear Mm. was just reduced me to a puddle in this Mm. garbage movie (laughs) just this like premise of like this lovely idea in a terrible cgi monster i do like the mythology of the green lantern though sure there's good stuff in there sure no nothing wrong with it but it was like that movie everybody's like no no no, we all agree yeah we agree that's bad yeah he could imagine anything and he imagines his race cars uh-huh going around in circles yeah he can literally imagine anything it's not great <laughs> but like it still was reduced to like a sniveling child at the end because mm-hmm. just like oh how beautiful is this idea of uh, even in this terrible movie the idea of like uh, choosing to focus, try to be hopeful in the face of um, uh, bleak destruction and just yeah. like, you know, uh, um, uncertainty. Yeah, that is beautiful. Yeah. Um, that's what we are faced with. Every day. Yeah, every it's day. bad out there. Yeah, it's so tough, man. To, to, to carry yourself with basic human dignity and to care for people around you mm-hmm. and to have, I mean, that's, that's like, that's, it's so tremendously courageous. It's so beautiful. 
It, and, it, and it is truly heroic. And that's like I, why I like looking at the world through like Jungian glasses where you mm-hmm. look at stuff from myth, where you imagine yourself to be the hero of your own uh, adventure. And, you're, and, sure. and, and if you do, uh, it, I think it, it can be a pathway out of depression. It's helped me when I've, I've felt bleak and, and help, hopeless to be like, wait a minute, you know, there's often times in mythology where heroes feel hopeless. Uh, well, every great story, if you don't, if it's just a roller coaster only goes up, that is a boring story. Yeah, of course, that's but, the worst. Yeah, I used to know a guy who I worked with who uh, has one of the most charmed lives, and he'd always tell stories that were always great. But you just kept on waiting for it to like, and then this, and then this bad thing happened, and then I won. But yeah. it was just like the bad thing never happened. <laughs> All the stories were great because he was like always hanging out with like fancy famous people, and he's always yeah. winning a ton of money. But yeah. it was like, so. You just told a story about how you just won sixty grand. That's a great story, but there's no. That's yeah. everything worked out. Yeah. Everything always worked. His life is an episode of Entourage, but without like the prospect <laughs> of not doing the movie. But it was like that's a that is a compelling story, but it's not a good story because there's no, no stakes. You're just always going to. It's win. not a heroic story. Yes, for sure not. Um, can you tell me, sir? Because this is the way I like to do in summation and closing. Like any sort of. Um, uh, I mean, we're all dumb idiots, but like any sort of advice that you would have. Speak for yourself. Yeah, okay, fair. Uh, I think I am 100% uh, a little bit of an idiot, but... Uh, hey, don't talk to yourself like that. No, in the, in the great, in the best way, that, like, I, every day, like, I have shit to learn, and things that I thought I knew to be absolutes or things that I thought, like, I was smart about, uh, probably not. Well, amen to that. I don't know anything. Yeah. Um, but as two people who don't know anything, uh, what would your advice be to, we're talking about purpose, fulfillment, and courage in terms of, like... Um, every day trying to uh, uh, get a little closer to the things that matter? Mm. Well, you can just, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it, you can be really scientific with this. You can use the scientific method and really figure it out because you can just like kind of like check in with yourself and then be like, okay, what's my, what's, where's my happiness? And then go online and buy a bunch of stuff from Amazon. Mm-hmm. And then check in then be like, oh, what's my happiness? And then, then the stuff comes and then check in with your happiness. And honestly, I've done this. I have done this experiment. Doesn't change the happiness meter. Sure. Doesn't move the needle. Well, I think it's what you're talking about jerking off. It's like maybe like a quick release of dopamine. Exactly. But exactly. When the dust settles. Exactly. Like, mm, it's the opposite sane. of fulfilling. In fact, you feel the worst because you're just like, oh, because you feel worse if you expected to feel better because you're, of course, disappointed. And you're thinking, well, well of course, I didn't. That's, that's never going to work. Right. That's never going to. That's not. That's not moving the happiness meter. So it's like, you know in those movies where they jump into a plane and it's like they're tapping the meters. It's like, oh, what's this thing with fuel? Mm-hmm. You know, you got to kind of tap all the meters and be like, what's the thing that I can tap that moves the fuel meter, that mm-hmm. moves the happiness needle? And, um, yeah, for me, it is like hanging out in nature. It's hanging out with people I love. It's connecting with... Uh, art that I love. It's, it's doing something difficult and getting it done. Uh, like writing my book, writing mm-hmm. this book it was a f- very difficult process. Started as a stupid joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I said as my, most things that are great. Tend yeah, to be. yeah. Yeah. I was like, uh, trying to come up with a, like a novel to write. And I said to my friend, what about the Bill Walton mysteries? And he was like, write that. Well, it's like, I think how they arrived at hot tub time machine. Right. That do was that. Fully a joke. Yeah. I think, as was South Park. Mostly. Yeah. Right. Do it. And then, you know, a year later, mm-hmm. Uh, I can I hold I can hold hold the book in my hands and you know um, 
it, it doesn't matter if it, if it's a success or not. If people buy it, please buy it or not. Uh, on Amazon, link in bio or not. But it matters that I can hold it in my hands. I feel like I did something of substance because I did it. And that's that 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 moved that moved the needle yeah. for me. Starting starting something difficult and completing that difficult thing moves the needle. And now uh, and then having an intention to have to gr- to start a family unit to know that that would be you know that that gives me purpose now stuff I do now I often like I'm starting to do this weird mantra in my head mm-hmm. where I'm like I love my future wife I love my future family I love my future house I love my and then I start to say I love my house love my wife love my family I don't have any of these things by the way sure. I live by myself in a garage <laughs> So close, so close. <laughs> but I started to, to say, and, and you know, and then I start feeling the emotions of that, and I start being like, oh my gosh, yeah, I am gonna love my future wife. I'm gonna love my future kids. I'm gonna love my future house. I'm gonna sure. love my future life, and I'm love my life right. And I love the life right now because it's setting the stage and it's building the platform that I can build that life on. Well, I think like in many ways, emotionally or mentally, that is like the equivalent of like uh, training for a marathon. Like I can't just go out and run a marathon now. But right. if I pre- prepare myself to right. uh, avail myself to be ready for such an event, yes, then I'll probably be more well equipped. Bingo! So that's a, and it's a, that is a, I think that has been the switch the last couple of weeks. It's like okay, now I know I'm going to run a marathon. Right. I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to do something hard. I'm ready to commit my whole life to uh, someone or the idea of uh, a family. And at least pursuing that. I mean, yeah, that is there's greatness in action, regardless. Right. <laughs> And it's going to take courage, Steve. Yeah, yeah I like the, uh, in the last couple of years, I've been trying to ascribe to the uh, mantra, the ideal of um, uh, done is better than good. Mm-hmm. Because I think, by and large, the idea of needing something to be good can is paralyzing. Or right. it's, it's a way to like focus mm-hmm. on the imperfections or yeah. uh, just to focus on the fear as opposed to, like, I'm just going to plow through. Well, you know, the word, that's where the word perfect comes from. The word perfect comes from a Greek word, which means done. Mm-hmm. There you go. Done is perfect. Well, I can't think of a better uh, way to end. Are we perfect with this podcast then? I mean, we did, and I think so. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's done. Yeah. Thanks, my man. High love, five. Love you, Steve. Love you too, buddy. Full circle. Yeah. Only you. Only you. I see evidence. There you go, gang. The man, the myth, the legend, James Kirkland. How about that guy, huh? Um, thank you so much, James, for taking time out of your day and talking to me. I really appreciate it. And honestly, uh, you know, I've known you for the better part of 20 years. And when was the last time we sat down and just chatted for an hour straight uh, and got real? So that was very lovely. Thanks for coming out and do that, man. Uh, you should support this guy. Please uh, check out his new novel. It's called Friend of the Devil, a Bill Wellson mystery. Um, it was out March 13th uh, by Meathouse Publishing. You can find it on Amazon and all other sorts of places where you buy great books. Um, also, follow him on Twitter. It's at Jamie Kirkland. That's at J-A-M-I-E. K-A-K-I-R-K-L-A-N-D. Did that badly, but it's at Jamie Kirkland. Uh, check him out. Thank you so much, James. A couple other thank yous. Thank you to Kingdom Flying Club and Julia Pot for art and music. And thank you to Hayden Fongheiser for doing all the stuff behind the scenes. And a big, big thank you to all of you guys for coming out, for going on this weird adventure with me, for listening to James, for listening to me, for being sweet bros. I love you all very much, and I hope you have a great week. 